Welcome to the Brand the Interpreter podcast. I am your host, Mireya Perez, and this platform is dedicated to sharing the stories of language professionals, that is, the interpreters and translators from around the world. This show aims to highlight not just the profession, but mainly the people behind the amazing work. These are your stories about our profession, and this is the Brand the Interpreter podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Orange County Department of Education. Since 2017, the Orange County Department of Education in California and their Language Services Unit is spearheading the professionalization of interpreters and translators working in educational settings and providing professional learning opportunities to bilingual staff by hosting their annual Interpreters and Translators Conference. With the participation of over 100 school districts from 25 states, 40 county offices of education, and 11 countries in the past four years, it is one of the most renowned events in the educational field. The Orange County Department of Education would like to invite you to their fifth annual conference on the road to professionalization, taking place September 8th through October 2nd, 2021, in a four-week professional learning series. For more information on this event, please visit www.ocde.us. Hello and welcome back to another great special episode of the Brand the Interpreter podcast. This is Mireya and I am so glad that you're here with me today as usual, tuning in to listen to the stories of other language professionals like you, like me, that are willing to to share their experiences with you. Today's special episode is a little different in the way that I've uh, made a collage of a couple of interviews of a couple of medical interpreters that are here to share their experiences during these COVID times. And so it's a bit of a combination of the interview between one interpreter in Texas and the other interpreter out in Arizona. Our first guest interpreter is Linda Cox, an English to German interpreter specializing in OPI, video, and on-site interpreting in the fields of immigration, finance, and medical. She joins us from Austin, Texas. Our second interpreter guest is Helen Sweeney, a Russian-to-English interpreter with over 20 years of experience. She holds an active certification with the National Board of Certified Medical Interpreters. And she joins us today from Gilbert, Arizona. So, without further ado, here's Linda Cobbs and Helen Sweeney on this special episode of the Brand the Interpreter podcast. Here's Linda Cobbs responding to my question, what was life like as a medical interpreter pre-COVID? Um, Pre-COVID, I actually had uh, quite uh, the, the amount of on-site appointments. I was actually going to hospitals and I was interpreting for anybody that needed a German interpreter. So my language, of course, is English-German. And uh, so that was very fun for me because to be on site with somebody, to be able to see their facial reactions, their, their, their body language, that was a lot easier than being an OPI. I had a very good mix between phone calls as a medical interpreter as well as on-site appointments. And I was actually pretty busy. Helen Sweeney. Since 2018, I've been a full-time video remote interpreter. Um, so um, it hasn't been a whole lot of change for me in the mode that I work with. Obviously, um, 
there were a lot of other things that came into play that I'm sure we're going to be talking about. The modality of remote interpreting um, was something that I've um, kind of gotten my feet wet already by the time um, uh, this pandemic happened. My days pre-COVID and post-COVID, if you actually look at you know, just the outside are about the same. Um, you know, I um, would come into the office, I logged into my computer and, um, you know, uh, logged into the programs that we're using and basically waited for somebody to need a Russian interpreter. Uh, and when they did, I would, um, you know, pick up the request and service it. Um, and, uh, just because I had made that switch two years prior to the pandemic, um, obviously, I'm very full aware how different it was. And um, I made that switch a little bit earlier, but it is an entirely different experience from working in person. Um, but uh, And so um, I I would be having a conversation pretty much like we're having right now, just on a video, there would be a provider um, with with their patient in the room, and I would just help facilitate their discussion, just not having to be there physically in person. Mm -hmm. Here's Helen Sweeney. So since 2018, I've been a full-time video remote interpreter. Um, so um, it hasn't been a whole lot of change for me in the mode that I work with. Obviously, um, there were a lot of other things that came into play that I'm sure we're going to be talking about. The, the remote and the mode of the modality of remote interpreting um, was something that I've um, kind of gotten my feet wet already by the time um, uh, this pandemic happened. I asked both our guests how COVID changed things once it started to hit the industry and uh, really affect their work. Here's, Linda's response. The change was very sudden, and it started in around uh, February, March. All of a sudden, all the assignments dropped. Of course, there were these uh, safety precautions. Nobody knew what they were really dealing with, so they shut everything down. Uh, the non-essential uh, treatments operations that I used to be part of interpreting, they were no longer uh, scheduled. And so I lost probably on site almost 90% of my assignments. Wow. And uh, which, on the other hand, some of these things needed to be, some of these doctor's appointments, they needed to be shifted into another way because people still had to go see a doctor. Mm -hmm. So I actually found that my OPI has increased drastically. And it started probably in the summer of 2020, when it really started, when everybody, most people were aware of, okay, we need to now, we need to use technical support. We we can use all the platforms now. And all of a sudden I was in demand for OPI and video recording. That is another thing that I'm also doing, a video, um, video um, what is that? FVRI? Exactly. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, I do that quite often too. And that's fun too. But anyway, uh, so that increased probably at the beginning of the summer when everybody calmed down a little bit and the whole industry was like, okay, well, how are we dealing with this? And there was a steady flow of calls. It wasn't the same as in pre-COVID. Absolutely not. I lost uh, quite a bit of business. Yes. Here's Helen. 
Well, um, in the very beginning, I was thinking about it and trying to think back. And um, I'm sure we've dealt with some of those respiratory calls and uh, patients in respiratory crisis. But at that point, we didn't know what that was. And the providers often didn't know what that was. And oftentimes it was treated as a flu or, you know, pneumonia, depending on the level um, of um, how the patient was affected. So um, in the beginning, it didn't necessarily feel like um, anything different. Mm. You know, we were in a season when all of this was happening, you know, December through March, before the world declared the global pandemic. Um, it's it's a flu season. We usually see an influx of respiratory problems with the patients. So that wasn't necessarily, did not seem that much out of the ordinary, if I'm completely honest. Um, right. Then obviously, um, once um, the the um, the medical community realized what was going on, uh, we have noticed um, all the non urgent medical treatment came to a halt. Okay. And you know that's when the physical therapy offices started closing. That's when you know the specialist clinics like your ENT offices, all of the specialists that unless it was an emergency unless you were actually going to a hospital, there was a season when all of those visits just kind of came to a stop. And a lot of my acquaintances and um, a lot of people around me were really struggling to find sufficient work Mm -hmm. um, to be able, because less appointments, but the same amount of interpreters. Um, And um, then eventually, you know, eventually as, you know, we, as another wave uh, came up, uh, you know, um, clinics started opening up, uh, the medical community returned back to work, um, you know, then then our volume of work just skyrocketed. And yeah. then it was like, the opposite, like, right? It just, yeah. yeah, it was just very, very, it was very, very wave-like, um, you know, in the, because there's only that lawn, you can, um, halt the medical treatment right you know even you know you can say you know, and and that's why i would always say even those who never had covid during this pandemic their medical treatment their medical uh their what, what was going on to them with their health was hugely affected anyways mm-hmm. with the new visitor policies new precautions whether their doctors were open or not open, whether they could go in or not go in. Uh, the truth is everybody who had to deal with anything remotely medical related was hugely affected by yeah. it. Um, and so, um, and um, then um, there's only that long you can um, keep it closed. And so as more and more uh, providers were opening back up to provide those services to their patients that maybe technically are non-COVID related, but we all had to live in that COVID affected world and provide all kinds of medical treatments. Um, So it was, it was very, very different, very drastic, so much uncertainty, people just not knowing what was going on. Um, Not, uh, you know, a lot of providers that, 
you know, we're talking about interpreters having to switch from in-person to remote, but a lot of providers had to also figure out how to work with um, remote interpreters versus in-person interpreters, because that is also a very different experience on that part that affected the interpreters. So the interpreters are figuring out how they're going to, some of those tools that we have that come so naturally when we work in person, when we are able to read more of the body language, we're able to read the room, we are able to notice things that are going on that now we don't have the access to just because we have very limited field of vision. And now also some of the providers, like they just don't know what to do with this little device. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if we weren't like familiar with technology or just, you know, comfortable with it, if it wasn't in their day to day. Right. There's yeah. so many like nostrils and eardrums that I've seen. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's like, okay, um, you don't really have to have it so close, but sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it, it was, it was just, we all had to relearn and we all had to adapt and we all had to kind of help each other figure it out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm just so you know, I'm just so grateful. Like it really helped me see how the community at large, there were, I mean, were there difficult situations and different difficult conversations? Absolutely. But the community at large, it's just so nice to see how on the provider end, they really worked hard to uh, make it work for their uh, patients. And the language service providers were all pivoting and figuring out the solutions to um, ultimately at the end of the day to provide better health care to the patient. I asked Linda to give us a bit of an insight of the learning curve from OPI, over-the-phone interpretation, to VRI, video remote interpretation, and just to kind of get a feel for the technology that she needed to adapt to, if she needed to adapt to new technologies, you know, things like that. And here's what she said. As an OPI, uh, you mainly use a landline, and that is because of safety and security measures. And you have your headset, you have your landline, and you have any computer that you can use in order to log into the platform. You don't really need any secure uh, connection as long as you have a connected land, uh, connected internet. Um, I keep no, how do, what do you call that? Um, it can't be Wi-Fi. It had to be connected to the outlet, the internet. The connection. Ethernet cable. Yes, exactly. Yes. Ethernet mm-hmm. cable. There we go. Um, so that was inexpensive and it was simple. And you, you really, uh, that didn't cost much. But now I had to get a laptop because a laptop is really the one that, as we are doing this now, we are uh, able to look at each other and there has to be a quality there. Uh, and so I couldn't, I could no longer use my desktop. I had to actually purchase a laptop, but that itself has opened up avenues for me, which is, you know, whatever you invest in your business or in yourself, it, it, it comes back in, in some form or fashion. So it is not wasted money. Um, it was just an investment that I had to make at the beginning, but it's really paying off right now. Here's Helen sharing her transition from uh, in the office to going home. 
because remember, she does a video remote interpretation. And so she walks us through her experience of what occurs uh, when they're told that they have to work from home now. We um, grabbed our little headset and, um, you know, um, we were able to get, I mean, figuring all of this out, there, there, I'm sure um, this is way outside of my expertise, but I'm sure so much went from the, um, uh, like the IT teams. Right. <laughs> I am sure like that would be a very interesting conversation to have. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure the um, IT guys uh, and gals could share a lot of interesting stories. <laughs> so uh, obviously it was a bit of an adjustment and, um, you know, the schools are closing, so kids are home and all of this, we all, you know, we, we all had to work out this new normal, um, but um, the people still needed help. And so we just kind of pivoted and adjusted and um, kept doing what we needed to do. Um, obviously, I had to upgrade my internet, <laughs> you know, um, which I didn't think I had bad internet to begin with. But again, um, it probably would have been sufficient if um, my device was the only device. But there's also virtual learning. There's also like all these, everybody was home, right. um, especially in the beginning at the same time. Um, so, so yes, so um, we obviously had to, um, I had to switch the computer at some point because it just wasn't holding up to, um, you know, the tech specs that were necessary to provide a seamless interaction. Um, so had to switch the computer, had to upgrade my internet. Um, you know, there, there was definitely um, some adjustments. I asked the interpreters what work life is like now, present day. Here's Linda. Well, there are several factors playing a, playing a role right now. First of all, I'm interpreting for babies again, which I haven't had in a year. So there's a whole different uh, atmosphere right there. And I have not uh, had a lot of video interpreting, interpreting with babies before. So that's a whole different area. And it's very difficult sometimes to deal as an interpreter with, with the noise and with the stress of younger children and, and babies. Um, the next thing is that I have... Um, now I see again my patients that I that I interpret for. Unfortunately, there are some some negative sides to that because you see a lot of dementia patients that uh, you've previously I had them on the phone. Now I actually look at them. Now I see them, and that impacts your emotions a little bit more than it did before. Mm. Um, You're back on site now. You're actually. Oh, exactly. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. And, and also with the video recording, I mean, you see the patient, you know, you can actually see their, their, their fears and their, their, uh, their anxieties and you can, you have to deal with that now. Um, I, I'm pretty much back to most of the general um, medical interpreting assignments I see all kinds of, I interpret for all kinds of patients. Again, the only thing that probably is not happening or it's not happening yet is tourism because in the past there was a lot of tourism that has ended where people ended up in the emergency room. Mm. And, you know, you see a lot of uh, tourists from Germany or German speaking countries such as Austria, Switzerland, uh, Germany, and all of a sudden they are not there anymore either. And I have not had any of those assignments yet. So wow. there's no tourism going on. Helen brings up 
a great topic, um, great in the sense of being able to be open about speaking about these things uh, with others that understand the experience and understand the job. Uh, but the topic is about the emotional aspect of the job during COVID times. Here's what she has to share. It was difficult. Um, the hardest thing for me personally, um, so now I like now I can just kind of talk about my lived experience. For me personally, it was the hardest thing was the emotional uh, aspect of it. Um, it was so, I felt like a lot more encounters were a lot more emotionally charged mm. um, because um, first of all, it was the unknown. Um, you know, there's new disease, new terminology. Mm. You have to figure it out. Like nobody had COVID prior to 2020. Right. Um, and, you know, you you look it up and you try to make sure you have the best way to interpret something that didn't exist. We as language professionals literally had to um, like do so much research in such a short amount of time right. to be able to um, adequately relay the information in our respective non-English languages. Mm. Um, but also on the emotional level, <clears throat> you know, so the visitor restriction policies came into place. Right. And so you have those um, uh, LAP individuals, like the limited English proficiency people who need the interpreter. And aside from needing the language support, you know, you know how when you're really sick, you just want to have someone close for emotional support and to help you when you're not feeling well, to help you process what the doctor is saying to help you make some of the decisions for your healthcare. Now, all of these patients don't have that, mm. regardless of whether they had COVID or cancer mm. or an appendix. You know, all of them were stuck having to make those decisions on their own, not having so much uncertainty as to any respiratory condition from um you know, a flare-up of an asthma attack to actual COVID, knowing that COVID is a possibility. There's just there was just so much fear you could almost taste it sitting miles and miles and miles away in your house. Mm. And that was that was that was weighing very, very heavily that unknown mm -hmm. on the patient, on um, me personally as an interpreter. Um, you know, also, you know, I had to um, really work on my, you know, emotional and mental self-care and really, because you see the worst mm -hmm. and you have to assist with those calls, like calling someone, you know, on a three-way uh, video call um, because they're not allowed to come in but they have to say goodbye mm. to their family member as they're about to pass. Um, seeing like the worst of those situations um, and that, that weighed heavily as well, just yeah. emotionally. And I've noticed I had to do a lot. You know, I, I thought I was very, very good about emotionally removing myself mm -hmm. from those situations. That is one of those things that you 
first learn as an interpreter Mm -hmm. to kind of have that empathy and compassion on the person, but not get so emotionally involved that you're not able to be impartial. Like impartiality is one of the cornerstones of our career. Um, And, um, you know, I thought I had it all under control, but it was, it was very emotionally charged season and it was very difficult. As is usually the case, I like asking the guests if they have any recommendations that they would like to share with any up-and-coming future interpreter, the next generation of interpreters, uh, or any present-day interpreters. Here's what Linda has to share. Uh, First of all, I would say uh, I see hope again. I, I have hope that our field is coming back up. So I do believe that there's going to be enough work for a lot of people. So the first thing I think as a newcomer would say, don't stress about, you know, achieving enough clients or trying to to live of the income that you have as a medical interpreter. These are all things that automatically fall in place once one goes the right direction. And the right direction is to simply find somebody who has the experience and tag along and let them uh, mentor you through the time when you start, because um, I have not had a mentor. I had to literally go do all the footwork by myself. And fortunately, I'm somebody that it's, it doesn't, it's not difficult for me to do, but it could have saved me a lot of time. It could have saved me a lot of headaches and I would have had less anxiety <laughs> and I just would have had more wisdom early on. So uh, just, Try to enter this field as as an assignment, not as a full time full time career for the rest of your life. Don't look too far ahead. Stay where you are and take one step at a time. And so there are plenty of agencies in this country, in this country alone, that are willing to take somebody on who has a good attitude, who is willing to learn and has enough um, language skills to to get started and it's it's not as difficult as it may look like at at the beginning and uh, in case of interpreter and translator i those are two different fields i think most people need to uh understand where their strengths are because often it's it's very rare that somebody actually is good in both fields it's not a not a very common thing so uh and and time-wise it's difficult to manage both together because each demands a lot of extra time. So, um, yeah, just find somebody. I mean, there, there is the uh, there, Instagram has a lot of interpreter accounts that one can, uh, you know, gain from and, and glean from and get in touch with these people. I have not come across any interpreter that has yet said, I don't want to help anybody. I just, I'm afraid that they're taking my clients. Uh, I have not come across that. And if you want to be, if one wants to be sure that that doesn't happen, find somebody in a different language pair. So you don't clash at each other. You know, you don't have that, that um, fear of taking each other's clients. So um, I have come across some people that have expressed the, the desire and willingness to start some, some start and some don't, but this is a big field and uh, coming to, Human interaction is one of the most important things. With it. It's not just enough to speak the language pair very well. There has to be a human interaction, and the machine will never be able to substitute that. So there's always enough work for us. Um, one more thing I would like to mention is, as a medical interpreter, we are faced with some really difficult times of our of our clients or the, the customers of our clients. 
because they're often in a lot of pain. They're often in, in a very difficult situation. They don't know what they're facing. So I would say to anybody, try to gain techniques that will help you not to be overwhelmed with these situations. You know, it's one thing to interpret for somebody to get their utilities on, but it's another thing to, to interpret for somebody who has cancer and, and gets that diagnosis right there. So we need to be uh, aware that these things are coming towards us. And there are so many techniques on how to deal with that and how to separate our own emotions in at the moment of interpreting. There, there are a lot of teachings and, and good um just um, people that have experience with that and they will help you. They will help anybody who's willing to listen. So I want to take the opportunity to thank both Linda and Helen for having come on the show and sharing their very personal experiences as medical interpreters during this COVID pandemic that we still are currently living. It's not completely something that's part of the past Uh, but definitely still present and experiences that very many people have shared. So I want to just say thank you. And I also want to thank you, the listener, for uh, being around today and tuning in to this special episode of the Brand the Interpreter podcast. That's all I have for you guys here today. Short and sweet, but a very, very important message, I think, and experience. So I hope to see you guys here next week as we begin our interviews with language professionals from all over the world again in season three of the podcast. Yeah, I know, right? Season three. I didn't even get a chance to take a break in between the two seasons. Anyway, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take care. Till next time. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the very end. If you'd like to connect with me, head on over to the website, brandtheinterpreter.com and click on the connect with me tab. You can also stay connected on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube as Brand the Interpreter or Mireya Perez on LinkedIn. Till next time.